You're listening to the Leverage Your Incredible Factor podcast with Darnielle Jervie-Harmon, the place to be to leverage and scale a business that serves you financially and spiritually. I'm your host, spiritual business growth strategist, Darnielle J. Harmon. Join me each week for inspiring stories, powerful interviews, and business growth strategy to help you experience abundance in your life because of your business. If you are ready to play and pray bigger, let's get this party started. If this is your first time joining me, there's just a few things I wanna make sure that you know. Number one, I am not new to this, I am true to this. For more than 10 years, I have been growing businesses, period. I am the absolute best at combining spiritual principles with business growth strategy to turn entrepreneurs into multiple six and seven figure CEOs. And no, in case you were wondering, you do not have to choose. You can love God and make both loads of money. And I'm on a mission to create even more multiple six and seven figure CEOs. Oh, and we don't do hustle and grind. We do spirituality and systems. You might be wondering exactly what the incredible factor is. And if that's you, I invite you to go all the way back to our very first episode. I even give you a really powerful worksheet that you can download so that you can find yours because it is the key to beginning to leverage and scale your business. And I am tickle purple that you are listening in today. This episode is powered by Shatter Your Income Ceiling. This is my brand new private training. It is an exclusive opportunity to learn my framework that is helping our clients to grow their businesses massively and shatter their income ceiling, starting to have thirty dollars to $100,000 months in their business. And you can apply right now to join us for our next private training by going to darnielle.com forward slash weekend. Oh my gosh, you guys, I hope you are ready to literally have your minds blown. I am so excited about this interview that I have to share with you today with Paul Casey, who says it is not about time management. It is about priority or energy management. And then he dropped the bomb that became the title of this episode about halfway through our conversation. And I wanted to smack him. It was so good. He said, it's not about work-life balance, right? That's a myth that most people get themselves caught up into thinking is the way to get life done correctly. Nah, that's not what Paul says. Paul says it's about work-life rhythm. Doesn't that just feel better, right? When you think about being in flow and allowing your priority to shift based on where you are most needed at that time, that is when life gets juicy good. My favorite part of the interview outside of that little nugget right there about woke life rhythm was when Paul literally broke down the six steps in his fulcrum framework for focus. I'm not going to give it away to you. I want you to listen into the episode. I hope you have pen and paper handy because let me just tell you, you're about to get your whole time management life. Help me welcome as we jump into this conversation with Paul Casey. Paul Casey, I'm so excited to welcome you to the Leverage Your Incredible Factor Business Podcast. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So take just a quick minute and let everybody know who you are in your own words. Well, first of all, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and he is my all in all. Secondly, I'm married to Laura, my beautiful wife, and I have two children. 
22 and 18, both named after state capitals, Austin and Cheyenne. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> that wasn't the intent, but if we would have had a third child, it would have been Lincoln or Madison, I think. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see, what else? I am a uh, I run a business called Growing Forward Services, which is leadership and self-leadership coaching, uh, training, and team building. And uh, before that, I was a teacher, a principal, a executive pastor, and a family pastor at a church, and then launched the entrepreneur entrepreneurial journey in 2015 to go full-time. Wow. I love it. I love all of it. And I, I love the bold stance with which you proclaim your beliefs in, in Jesus. I love Jesus. And I think that those of us who have a firm understanding of who Jesus is and the role that it plays in our ability to be successful in life have to say so. We have to say so often. And, you know, what I always say, Paul, is me loving Jesus doesn't mean that I'm going to be, a, I'm going to try to create separation or I'm going to try to whip you with my beliefs. It just means that I have a moniker of respect for God and the creator of this abundant universe and his amazing son that I choose to live my life that way every single day. And, um, and I hope that you would agree in saying that I know, I feel like my work is better because I do boldly proclaim, proclaim my faith. Would you Amen. agree? Yeah, and it gives me such purpose in life to, to give back to my maker, the one who's poured all, any kind of gifts, any good thing in my life has been poured into by my God. And so the rest, my, my life is just an outpouring of that, and I get to flow his love into other people. Yeah, that's so good. That feels so good just to hear you say that and thinking about, you know, the trajectory that your life has taken on. You said over the, the last, I guess, five years, you've been running your business full time. So talk to me about that. Like, how, how did you come to the realization that for you to leave being a principal, pastoring and starting your own business was the best way for you to serve humanity? How, how did that come about? Well, I think I've always had education in my blood. My, both of my parents were teachers, okay. and I heard all the dirt about uh, the teaching profession, and I still wanted to be one, so I really felt it was a calling. And so I went to school to be a teacher. Um, then, uh, so I've always been, had this desire to pass on knowledge to others, to, and then curate knowledge and put it in a way that people can best understand it. So I was doing that, of course, through education and through the church, but I felt like there was still something missing. Like there was a call that was even greater, uh, a greater audience than, than the, uh, the little world I was in. And so when people started, I, I threw a shingle out there, let's just say, and I, I started a business off to the side while I had the day job mm -hmm. and people were willing to pay money to, to hire me in order to grow. And I thought, wow, this is like really cool that I could actually make money uh, helping people grow. And so I started the day job or the dream job while I had the day job and it started making some money off to the side, doing some trainings, doing some team buildings, having a few clients for the first time for coaching. And I was just getting more and more excited about it with every new client. Mm -hmm. And so then it came to that point where it's like, wow, this is actually pulling me even more. And so I talked to my wife about it. She was pretty scared, to be honest, because when you become an entrepreneur, day one, your income goes to zero. Right, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty scary. Uh, but we hadn't made the made the leap 
And uh, yeah, it's, we haven't looked back since. Yeah, I think it is, it's such a good point because I run into people all the time who are like, oh, I just, I just want to be an entrepreneur. I want, I want the time freedom, right? I want to be able to do whatever I want with my time. And I'm like, yeah, it's not for the faint at heart. It's a lot of work. And to get to the point where you are successfully creating a living from your business, like not most businesses do that, right? The statistics make it painfully obvious that something ridiculous, like 65% never make more than $50,000 a year. And $50,000 a year is not enough to sustain a family, regardless of where you live in this country. And so to be able to do it well enough, even amongst the fear, you know, for me, I think it was really about my fear colliding with my faith. And realizing what you said, which I think it, I, I have that as a part of my own story as well, is that there was an even greater call. Mm-hmm. Because I believe that there's only something, there's, there are some things that only entrepreneurship can allow you to truly be the fullness of who God intended for you to be before you were formed in your mother's womb. And so um, I feel like, you know, and I don't know if you would say this about your own journey, but I feel like in my, my journey, Everything I did leading up until the point to become an entrepreneur and start my own company was training ground for me to fully live out the call on my life that God had assigned to me to do this work, to pull people forward, to pull them into what it is that he saw for them. Because it's not about, you know, business coaching in, in my world or even leadership coaching in your world. It's really about leveraging our gifts and talents to let other people see themselves the way that God has always seen them, which I think is awesome that we get to do this work, right? Oh, it is so awesome. And I totally agree with you that uh, it is. A, it was a training ground. All those other opportunities were a training ground for entrepreneurship and what I'm doing today. And I think one of the other turning points was I hit a lid in the day job. I hit a lid in an organization. Every place I went where I was like, I want to grow more. I want to push through the ceiling. I want to take this to the next level. And there were a lot of people that were like, you know, you know, settle down there, buddy. <laughs> you know, let's, let's just keep it right here. And that was really frustrating for me. And only entrepreneurship gives you that opportunity to go, hey, let's start something new today. <laughs> let's exactly. pursue that idea. <laughs> and as we do it, let's do it as unto the Lord. Oh, yeah. And I think about Colossians 3, 23 and 24. You know, whatever you do, do it with heart as unto the Lord and not unto man, because it is from the Lord that you will receive your inheritance. And I think about our ability inside of our work to focus on making sure that God is well-pleased and in so doing, please our clients such that they pay us well, they refer other people to us, you know, and they open up this wellspring of opportunity that just can change the trajectory, you know, of, of even what you imagined when you first were feeling that fear and trying to decide, do we step out on faith? Do we do this thing that is a part of the pull and the call that we're experiencing right now? Yeah, what I've done with that fear that you talk about is it just, puts me right back on my knees, you know, just more dependence on God because you don't have that safety net of a team necessarily around you or a boss or a board or uh, a fleet of employees around you. As an entrepreneur, it's, it's you and God. <laughs> and it just, it just puts you in full dependence of him. Yeah, absolutely. The first org chart is truly God at the top and then you underneath, right? Like that's literally <laughs> all it is. But over time it does it does shift, it does change, it does grow 
as your confidence heightens, as the income starts to come in, as you realize that the only way for you to really be able to expand time is to have other people helping you because we all only have the same 24 hours every single day. And so I know a big part of your work is working with people to help them to figure out how to manage time more impactfully, like in your own journey, before we talk about some of the practical tips that we can offer to other people, how did you, how did you manage now having all of this time to yourself and then recognizing how to manage that time in order to best ensure that you could still be an amazing husband to Laura and take care of the, the kids and as well as serve the clients that you have? Like, how did that all converge and come together for you? And then also create the ammunition for you to go out and teach other people how to do the same thing. Yeah, it's a great question. I had to practice what I preached. You know, I've been studying time management for 20 years plus now. And all this stuff that I was teaching in workshops to others, it was like, oh, holy cow, <laughs> I got to practice. I was, but I mean, I really have to practice it when you become an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So you've got to manage your time. And so I was, I literally put into every practice that I was teaching for someone else so I could live it out. What it did is it worked out some of the kinks in the program as well, because it's like, okay, that really doesn't work for the entrepreneur. I'm going to have to modify something here in order to make it work for me. But I think the key, like you said, to making sure that faith is, is the first thing in there and, and marriage is the next thing in there. And then parenting was the next thing was I had to put those things in my schedule first. That was really the core of making this journey work because if work crowded in and I love work by the way and that is just it's super fun for me that could just uh it, it could eke out every single minute that could have been dedicated to my faith and family and my friends and so I had to put that in my schedule first and then the rest of stuff uh, revolves around that mm -hmm. yeah I think that that is so good and I think I get caught up the same way because when you're doing the work that you love you could look up and 12 hours have gone by, right? And yep. not and not necessarily the time when you're in service to clients, but the time when you're just in free creative mode, right? When you're coming up with new content, when you're working on a book, when you're, you know, whatever the thing is that you're doing, it's so easy to get lost. So making sure that you're clear, I feel like what I heard you say is being clear on what the priority is. And the priority is, you know, God first, then family second, and then whatever is left over goes into the ability to, to work and to create to leverage that to create a living. And I think that, you know, there'll be some people who will be listening to this and I'll be like, yeah, that sounds good in theory, Darnielle and Paul, but uh, can my faith actually pay my bills? <laughs> like, what would you say to them? Well, I would say, first of all, uh, tithing is a real thing in the Bible and it works. And God even said to test me in this one thing. And uh, so we, we have been tithing even in that first six months when our income was, uh, well, I'll just be, I'll be honest with you and your listeners. It was 1900 a month was all I was making in those first six months. And that was a little scary, but I still tithed during that time and God still gave the increase. And then the, the corner got turned in July of that year. And then the next year got a big contract and that allowed me to resigned from any part-time work I was doing and move forward. But I would say you still have to give back to God his due. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, the only mandated thing that I do is tithe and, and it comes off the top line of the business. I used to tithe on my personal income and not on my business, but I started about three years ago tithing on the business. 
and listen, <laughs> the, it, I mean, it is just ridiculous and amazing. Like I literally, a couple of weeks ago, Paul, I held a live event and I've been doing live events since 2009. It's always been my way, a big part of my business model. And I did this event and as I, leading up to the event, as I always do, I fast and I pray for at least three days before just to hold the room, to hear what God is saying, what he wants me to say to the people. Cause I truly believe that everybody who registered was, they registered because God placed it in them to register. There's something for them at the event. And while I was fasting and praying, God said, I don't want you to set a goal. I want you to resolve to serve and leave the results up to me. Have I ever failed you? And as hard as it was, because I'm a recovering control freak, I I resolved to solve, to serve. I didn't set a goal. I told my team, and you know, my team they're checking my temperatures, everything okay, because they're like, this isn't you. You don't ever not set a goal, right? Because I'm a businesswoman, and who doesn't set goals? But I didn't set a goal. And what was ridiculous and amazing that God did is, I mean. All of my programs at least doubled. All of them at least doubled. And I wrote the, the largest tithe check I have ever written, I think in my whole life, <laughs> following <laughs> my live event, the largest one like ever. Um, but it is, it is so amazing that when you purpose in your heart to live based on the principles of God, everything begins to change. Like I say all the time, and I don't know if you agree with this, but Church principles only work in church, but God's principles work everywhere. Yeah. And when you purpose to live God's principles, then you will experience abundance. You will abundance in everything, right? So yeah, I think that that is, is really, really powerful. So, so practical, stra oh, you want to say something before I move I was on? Gonna say, wasn't it so fun to write that check? I mean, I, I, I just, I get giddy when I get to give back to God or to a need that he presents to me in our yes. community. And I just, I just feel we're blessed to be a blessing. So yeah, I just concur with what you said. Yeah, it's so good. Like, okay, so the, the, the total amount that I was writing the check for, I was like, okay, do you want me to write this check to one place? And God was like, no, I want you to split it up. And so I got to serve lots of different ministries as a result of it. And one of the ministries, um, a local apostle, um, God told me to write a check to her for $5,000. And I did. Well, no, that's not true. So I first was sitting down dividing the money up the way I thought it should be divided. And so I've written a check for $3,000 to this apostle. God said, no, rip that up. I want it to be for $5,000. I was like, okay. So then I write the check for $5,000. She ends up coming over to my house for an unrelated matter like the next night. I hand her the And God says, when you give her the check, show her the amount. And so I give her the check for $5,000. And she like goes off and I don't know what it's about. Right. But she kind of goes off and then we take care of our business. The next day she sends me a voice memo and she says, I wanted to let you know what that was when you gave me the check. She said five years ago, God told her someone was going to write her a check for $5,000 exactly. Mm -hmm. And when she got that check, that was going to be an illustration that everything in her life was about to change and everything that she had been believing God for was on its way. And so she tells me this and I'm like, I wrote that check initially for 3000 and God said, no, write it for 5,000. She said, I had gotten checks for $4,999. I had gotten checks, but I never got a check for 5,000 until you handed me that check. And I just, I love that. I don't, I mean, I just love it because I think that there's something 
powerful that happens when you just decide to yield, when you decide to surrender. And even when I think about how I'm going to make this real about time management, even when I think about time management, I think time management is an illustration of surrender. Surrender to your priorities, right? Surrender to the things that are most important, knowing that whatever time you have is going to be purposed in the places where they need to be purposed. Would you agree with that? Yeah, in fact, it shouldn't even be called time management. I mean, I, I still use the term because that's the buzz word, you know, and that's what's on all the surveys. But priority management is probably the best way of saying it, or even energy management would be better than, than time management because time's an equal opportunity employer, right? We all, yeah. We've all got the same 24-7 uh, to deal with. So, yes, priority management. I love, I love, I love priority management and energy management. I think both of them, to your point, does it more justice than... Um, time management itself because it's I feel like time is so absolute like right like we all only have 24 hours and yeah we do to a certain extent get to determine what we do with it but if we think about it as priority management or even energy management it just changes the way we show up to it it changes our come from, right? And when our come from is different, our results are going to be different, which I think is really powerful. So let's talk about some of those practical things, thoughts, ideas that you have around time management that helps the people that you work with every single day in your company experience a new and different reality because of the way you present uh, priority and energy management to them. Yeah, let me start with this. I was working on a model for this um, and I'm calling it the fulcrum framework for focus, which is a lot of F words. They're all positive F words though. Right. <laughs> and, and I'm still working with the, the term because that may be too hard to, to say, but the fulcrum concept being like, do you remember the teeter-totter growing out in the playground? You know, I think they're all like, uh, all, all our playgrounds have been made so safe now that we don't have any of those same ones anymore. But we used to have teeter-totters and there was a fulcrum, right? And if you think of your life as work on one side and the rest of life on the other side, everybody says work-life balance, work-life balance. And it's really not true. I, I, don't, I think it's impossible to achieve that. Even if you did achieve it, in five seconds, you would be off balance again, you know, one way or the other. So if you think about the fulcrum instead, as the place that we need to shift back and forth as needed to our priorities at work and to our priorities in life. I think that's a way better way of looking at work-life rhythm instead of work-life balance. Mm, I love that, Paul. Oh, I love that. Work-life rhythm. Oh, I love it. I'm going to start using that. I'm going to quote you the first time. <laughs> I love that. I think it changes everything. It if I think about being in rhythm, Oh, it gives me the freedom to show up where I need to show up without feeling the guilt that's associated with what goes along with balance. Yeah, that's so true. Because like in your in your personal life, what if your parent needed to go into assisted living? Or what if you have a child who has uh, the flu? Um, then, of course, you have to shift that fulcrum over there for a period of time, not yeah. forever, you know, because if, if you ever move the fulcrum to one side too long, either to work or to life, the other one suffers. Right. And that's why it's got to be more of a fluid fulcrum. Yeah, I love it. I think that's really good. Okay, I love that. And I love work-life rhythm. I, I love that. That's like the new name of this podcast episode. It's no longer what I said it was in the beginning. It's now work like rhythm. That is so juicy, good, Paul. Oh my gosh, I could smack you. That's how good that is. That is so good. 
Okay, so so realizing that we need a fulcrum framework for focus and the yes. fluid ability to be able to move back and forth based on wherever the need is, the priority is at that moment. Okay, I think that that is amazing. So how do we make that practical? Yeah, so there's five elements of that. One, the sort of the base of the fulcrum would be creating a foundation based on your values and your vision. I really believe we have to manage our time around our values, our core values, those things that God has put into us, we believe are most important. There are convictions. We'd almost die for these things. I mean, they're just so core to us. When we live in line with them, we're in congruence. We're living our best version of us. When yeah. we're not, we're in dissonance and we feel just a little bit off. So we live in congruence with that and also our vision. I love to do an exercise with my clients of doing a one-year vision for your life. I'd encourage all your listeners to do this. Just, just develop some categories, you know, your, your relationships, um, your work life, your wellness, all those kind of different categories. Even your vacations and recreation can go in this, your financial priorities, and say, what do I want to be one year from now? Mm -hmm. uh, I want to be, because if I don't have intention, I'm going to be the same person I am one year from now than I am right now. And for me, that's, that's not good enough. I want to be growing. That's why I named my business Growing Forward Services, because it's yeah. like, we gotta, be, we gotta be taking new ground. And the only way to do that is through intention. We have to be intentional. So the one-year vision's a great exercise to do to get you there. So hold on before you go to the next one. You said it so quickly that I think people may have missed it. So I just wanna dial it back really quick. You said, the question to ask ourselves is, where do I wanna be one year from now? And if I don't have intention, I will be the same. Oh, Paul, again, I could smack you because I, I don't, I don't think that we do things in general with intention. We do them out of necessity or hurry. And that is why we find ourselves trying to balance instead of experiencing a rhythm. Oh my gosh, that's good. Okay. All right. Carry on. What's the next thing? <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, the next thing would be to, you know, people ask me like, what do I work on first? Most people have their, their legal pad of to-do items, right? I found that that was a, I don't want to do list instead of a to-do list, right? I would look at that and go, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. So the, the legal pad to-do list didn't work for me. So I had to come up with some other method in order to do that. So the first thing I would say, if, you, if you've got that legal pad, which most people do, is to just draw three columns off to the right of it and uh, do a priority ranking exercise. Now you may not do this every day, but um, after a while you start figuring it out. So you have an important, you have an urgent column, and you've got a total. This is the old Stephen Covey stuff. I still love his stuff. You know, everything. Yeah, it's, so, it's timeless. Yeah, it works. So you take your task number one, which might be manage email or whatever that is. You give it a scale of one to 10. And how important is that for you being successful? And most people are not going to give that a 10. They might go, eh, I don't know, maybe a four. Right. Yeah, on a scale of one to 10, how urgent is that task? Like how soon do you have to get that done? And again, you give it some kind of number. Let's say it's a six. Then you multiply those two together to give you 24. Then you go to your next item and your next item, giving it those one to 10 ratings in urgent and important. And you're going to see then in the right column that not every task is the same in urgency and importance, urgency and importance. And then you re-rank them by that, and that's gonna tell you what you need to work on first, second, and third today. 
And actually, I say, figure out what you're going to do tomorrow before you even go to sleep today. Yeah, I agree. I, and I, the setting it into your day, like I, I, I love that. And I also, the other coveyism that I love is beginning with the end in mind. So knowing what has to be done when the day is over at the beginning of the day. And the best way to do that is the night before. So yeah, yeah I agree. That is so good. Really, that's the third point is uh, owning your calendar by, by figuring that out. Like there's a few things that go into this one, your biorhythm. Some of us are morning people. We just wake up in the morning like, come on, let's go get it, right? Others people, it takes a long ramp up, maybe 10 o'clock, they're okay. Other people are afternoon people. I'm, I'm one of those afternoon people, like give me a good one o'clock meeting. Everybody else goes, oh dear. <laughs> I wanna take a nap, you know, at one o'clock. <laughs> and then you got your night owls, but you wanna put your, uh, your critical thinking creative tasks in your sweetest spot energy wise. So that's one thing that by owning the calendar. Then there's the old time blocking thing that probably most people have heard of. I call it making an appointment with yourself. You're gonna take your priorities, you're gonna open up your calendar program, and you're gonna put that task, number one, in an actual time, as if you're meeting with another person. Right. You know what, you're never gonna stand up another person. If you're gonna meet them for coffee, you're not gonna go, ah, I'm not gonna show up today. You're gonna lose friends that way or clients very quickly. But why do we do this to ourselves, Darnielle? Why do we do this, right? We blow off our priorities and just go, oh, no, this is, this is a crisis. I got to deal with this first. Right. That's so good. And I think also that make an appointment with yourself is about self-care, right? Because sometimes yeah. the thing you most need to do is to rest or rejuvenate and not more hustle and grind. And so by making sure that you are a priority and you're making those after you do your three columns and then you own your calendar, like really going through the process of saying, okay, this has to happen first. Because I think about, you know, every single time we get on a plane, when the flight attendant says, you know, if the cabin should lose pressure and blah, 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 secure your mask before helping those on the journey with you. Yet, we don't always secure our mask first. And we do ourselves, we do everyone a disservice of not putting ourselves on the calendar first, regardless of what that means. And learning how to say no, Paul, like how often do you have to coach your clients to start saying no more? Oh, I would say any of them are fantastic at that, right? That, that <laughs> could be a message that we put into every single session. In fact, there are a few people, clients that I have that I'll say, who have you said no to <laughs> since I last met with you? Because they wrestle with it so much especially if you're that personality style that's a pleaser, mm -hmm. I like uh, golden retrievers, you know, or amiables. They, they put everybody else's priorities first at their own expense. Yeah. So I'm so glad that you brought up wellness and self-care because I, I forgot to mention that, you know, earlier, even with my faith and my family, my wellness is right up there in the big three yeah. because I can't serve. And I know you're big on this too, right? It's not sales, it's serving, right? Yeah. So yeah, I can't serve out of an empty tank. Yeah, so good. And I, I mean, it, it needs to be to the point, Paul, where we're doing everything out of our overflow. Like we never get empty. We have, we just have so much excess because we're spending time with the Father, we're spending time with ourselves, and we're constantly feeding what we need in order to go out and serve, which I think is so, so very, very important as well. Yeah. So, so on that line, I would say front load those priorities in the morning, which, you know, for me is my morning routine, you know, which is my quiet time with God, my professional reading, 
Uh, if I can get exercise in first thing, I, I often have to put move that around in the day, but I have to get it in every day. Yeah. Uh, eight hours of sleep, you know, prior to that. Those are my wellness habits that kick off the day. So I literally block that off too, just like I would block off my top three work priorities every day. Yeah, I agree. I, I do the same thing. I get up a little earlier and or as soon as I get up, if I'm not getting up early, it's immediately into time with God and his presence, just hearing him, just being grateful, just, you know, sitting, reading a devotional, sometimes doing nothing before I do anything else. Like oftentimes before I get up and brush my teeth, I've had my time with God because I don't like that is the, the way to center my day. That's the most important part of me being in that rhythm that I need in order to do all of the things that I need to do for all of the other people in my life. Awesome. I just want to recap what we've talked about so far, the first four steps. I think you said there are two more. So the first is creating a foundation based on your values and your vision. And that's where we talked about the power of intention. The second is doing the um, priority study by creating the three columns and then ranking based on important and urgent and then reordering effectively from there is owning your calendar and thinking about your own biorhythm and making sure that you're spending the time on your creative tasks and your critical thinking tasks when you are your best. And then fourth being making an an appointment with yourself, front loading those priorities, ideally in the morning so that you don't miss anything that you need to work from your overflow for those that you have to serve. And then what comes after that, Paul? Yeah, the after after that is that daily preview. So at the end of your day, you're going to calendar the last half hour of your day, whenever that is for you, to do a daily preview. It could be a review and a preview mm-hmm. for tomorrow, like we talked about earlier. You're going to sum up this day, say, what did I get done? I'm going to celebrate, by the way. Yeah. You're an entrepreneur, you usually don't have a fleet of people around you to give high fives to, right? It's <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> you yourself and your right. whiteboard. <laughs> high-fiving yourself (laughs) so I I, I celebrate what was done that day and then I look ahead at my top priorities for tomorrow I try to narrow those to three if possible I put those on my calendar I highlight those in red you know in the computer program and uh, I use that time also to sort of spiff up my desk because it could look like a bomb hit it Mm -hmm. and that that clutter sort of yells at me and doesn't allow me to focus so you know, I'll, I'll move things over to other lists or file things away so that I am rocked, uh, ready, uh, you know, locked and loaded for tomorrow. When I wake up, I know what I'm going to attack in the morning. Yeah, that's so good. I love it. And then is there anything else? Because I think you said there were six principles. Yeah, the next one would probably be uh, too detailed to go in deeply, but it's manage the interruptions in your life, the distractions and the interruptions. So for most of us, that's email and paperwork and interrupting people if you're in an office setting, technology beeping at you every second, Mm -hmm. and when you're in a meeting, to really run those meetings efficiently. So those are the five distractors or temptations that draw us away from this awesome plan that we've just created. Yeah, and I think also part of those interruptions are family because if you weren't working at home before, or if you were working at home before, you might've been the only one at home but now everybody's at home. And I don't know if this happens in your house, Paul, but I know like not in my immediate house because it's just my husband and I and our dog, but like my friends don't really think that I work. 
They think that I sit home all day and eat bonbons. And so when they need a favor, they need someone to run to the grocery store, or they, they think that they can just call me and I, I'm just doing nothing. So I'm available. So how do we manage that as a part of the interruptions of our day? What, what advice or feedback would you give for someone who's trying to figure out how to continue this dance during this COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah, you've got to have some, uh, you got to have a sit down with your family. And I, I would just assume that most people have done that this this late into the, the land of COVID. But uh, sometimes the door is a good visual. Uh, like if the door of your office is closed, that's do not disturb. If it's open a jar, you know, they can do a quick little knock, say, hey, uh, you know, dad got a minute. Um, and then if the door is wide open, that means, you know, I am working on maybe some admin stuff and you can stroll in and you're not going to be an interruption at that point and then what also what i do is i pop out after between uh coaching calls and connect with my wife give her a hug you know use the restroom get a drink before heading into the next one so if there's anything she needs to touch base with me in between during those breaks um she doesn't feel like she has to go all day with me in my cave Right. That's so good, Paul. I love the door. I love that. If my door is closed, do not disturb. If it's a jar, come in for something quick. And if it's wide open, then while although I'm working, I am available. I love that. I might start implementing that. Now, I work on one side of the house. My husband works on the other side of the house. So I also love the idea of making sure that I pop out more because he could go the whole day without seeing me. Like just depending upon what's going on. And I love the being more intentional about giving them a hug and giving them a kiss. Like, I think that that's really, really good. I think, I think that with these tips, people could really find themselves finding the right work-life rhythm and being able to do work that not only helps to keep their clients excited and, and hiring them, but makes them excited about what it is that they're doing, which I think is ultimately the goal in everything. Yeah, feed the joy. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Feed the joy. You have so many good one-liners. I love it, Paul. I love it. I love it. I love it. Anything else you want to share? I know you said that you have this really powerful resource you want to share with everyone. So why don't you tell us about that? And then we'll do our um, our wisdom questions and then we'll we'll get you out of here. Yeah, so I would love to give your listeners a uh, free tool. I call it the Control My Calendar Checklist. And what you do is you go, just open a text message to 72,000, 72,000 and type the word growing. And that will get you that, that free tool. Or you could go to the website, takebackmycalendar.com. Takebackmycalendar.com is another way to get that free tool. Okay. Awesome. I will definitely make sure that we include that in the show notes as well so that people can find it. So everybody texts so that they can take back their calendar. I can get excited about that. I, I, love, I love the idea of being able to put your priority and your focus where it needs to be and not feel like your calendar is running you, but you actually get to manage your calendar. I think that that is such a powerful skill set for an entrepreneur because we don't have the, the um the structure often that we used to have when we worked a job, right? Like whether you were a teacher in a classroom or you were in corporate, there was a schedule, there was a way things had to be done. And then we come into entrepreneurship and we think we can watch Mari Povich and we can do all of these things. And, you know, which is part of the reason why our families think that they can call us in the middle of the day and we're available. But I think that it is really powerful if we can start to integrate a lot of these ideas that you had 
into the way that we're showing up in our businesses so that we can be more impactful, which is ultimately what it is really all about. All right, cool. Well, I want to, before we get out of here, I always have my incredible factor wisdom questions that I like to ask just as a way of kind of grounding our time together. We almost never talk about business, although I allege this to be a business podcast. <laughs> so my wisdom questions are where we get to put a little bit of business in. Even though we did, we talked, we had a good conversation. We got to talk about God. We got to talk about family. We got to talk about rhythm and we got to talk about time management, which I think is a tool that everybody needs in their toolkit, which I'm excited about. All right, so what is your favorite quote, Paul? My favorite quote is, everything rises and falls on leadership by John Maxwell. Okay, I love that. Yeah, if you were to, and people would say like, everything rises and falls on leadership, I'd be like, yeah, if you, if you follow the rabbit back to its hole, some leader, and that could be yourself as an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. either didn't make a call when you needed to, or uh, they made the wrong call, or they delayed the call, you know, <laughs> and you could probably trace that back to uh, someone who wasn't out in front of it. Yeah, that's good. And then the last book you read. Oh, man, I read so many. So I, re I read 40 books a year on, um, on leadership or personal growth. So I just love it. I'm sort of a nerd, you know, with that stuff. The very last book I just finished was called The Magic Lamp, and it is a book about goal setting, although he, he calls it wishes, um, to take the sort of the, I don't know, the, the, the people that hate goal setting, he calls it a wish, but he uses all the best tools for goal setting in it. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I'm like you. I, use, I try to read a book a week, so I get in about 50 books a year, nice. which is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's... If you want to lead, you got to read. Like you, you, there's no way that we can do what we are brought here to do and fulfill our mandate if we are not well versed, right? There's just no way we can do that, which I think is really powerful. Well, Danielle, um, Danielle, let, me give you, let me give you another one real quick. Sorry to interrupt, but okay. I just started it this morning. It's your World Class Assistant by Michael Hyatt. Real, real okay. little book, but um, I think we entrepreneurs have to outsource the stuff that we're not the best at. Mm -hmm. And a virtual or a live assistant is one of the way, first steps to do that. Absolutely. Agree. 250%. And then the last is just, what is the tool that when it comes to you growing your own business that you swear by? Tell me something other than a calendar, because we already know you got the calendar on lock. So what else you got, Paul, that is a tool that helps you, that you swear by to grow your business? Hmm. You know, I will, uh, probably because no one's brought this one up before, it's a CRM tool, a customer relations management tool called Less Annoying CRM. I know it's a funny name, Less Annoying CRM, and it's one of the simplest ones. It's only like, I don't know, $10, $15 a month uh, for you to subscribe to. You put all your prospects in there. You put all your clients in there. You can form your own little pipeline in it, reminders. You can sync your calendar to it. But that's the way that I sort of track who I've served and uh, who might be dormant for a while, a client that I can call back up or um, ones that I have on the horizon. Awesome. I love it. You're going to get a lot of people excited about less annoying CRM. I love the name. And if it's <laughs> as simple, then I'm sure a lot of people who may not already have a CRM will definitely be looking at that. Well, Paul, this has been my joy. I've had such a great conversation with you. We're going to put how everybody can contact you and get a hold of your um, calendar checklist in our show notes. 
And I just wish you the best as you continue to go out there and do this powerful work, helping more people to learn how to create that life uh, work rhythm. Oh, I just love that. I just love that. <laughs> it was an honor. Keep growing forward. Awesome. Thanks. Take care. I told you, I know you are like salivating right now. You have a new way to think about time management. You have some new strategies to employ or some strategies that maybe you've heard of before that now actually make sense to you because you're not looking at them from a work-life balance standpoint. You're actually looking at them through the lens of rhythm. When Paul talked about being intentional, that very first uh, principle inside of the Fulcrum Framework for Focus, creating a foundation based on your values and your vision. When he talked about being intentional and that if you're not careful, you'll be in the same exact place next year. Listen, I felt like, and I don't even normally say this, but I definitely felt like some people's edges got snatched because how many of us are just showing up and doing without thinking about purpose and intent before we get started? I know I had, can definitely raise my hand and say that there have been times when that has been my story. The other one of his principles that I really, really enjoyed was the managing the interruptions. Did you guys take away the same thing that I took away? I loved how he talked about how right now as we're still knee deep in COVID-19 at the time of this recording and learning a new way to work from home, making sure that you use your door as the open or closed invitation to whether or not your family should engage with you throughout the course of the workday, right? If your door is closed, that means do not disturb. If your door is ajar, that means you can come in for something quick. And if your door is wide open, that means that no matter what you're working on, you are available to your family. I hope that you guys begin to, as Paul said, feed the joy that is available to you. And then the last thing that I'll share, but I know you just heard it, I'm just pulling back on it again for you, was to make sure that you are making appointments with yourself, that you are front-loading the priority of you early in the morning and you are putting your wellness and self-care at the forefront of everything that you are doing. Because let me tell you, there is no rhythm if you are out of alignment. And the way for you to be in alignment is to make sure that you put yourself first. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Paul as much as I did. And if you did, make sure that you go to the show notes, get a hold of his checklist, and make sure you connect with him because I know that not only because his company's name is Growing Forward, he can help you grow forward. I'll see you guys next time. Take care. Thank you for joining me for the Leverage Your Incredible Factor Business Podcast. If after listening to this episode, you know that it's time that you stop playing and praying small, you should go grab my Grow Your Business Toolkit. Based on the pillars of business optimization, this toolkit is the only resource you need to get crystal clear about what it will take to take your business to the seven-figure mark. Go grab yours today at growyourbiztoolkit.com. And if you enjoyed our time together, do yourself a favor. Head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Until next time, remember you deserve to scale your business, shake the planet, and fund the life you crave. Take care.